got my coffee and my smoothie, so. All right. Definitely, definitely ready. If I need to make a smart comment, I'll take a drink of this. I need to make an awake comment, I'll take a drink of this. Uh, it's, it's pronounced woke. Woke, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how woke it's gonna be. <laughs> I think we're I think we're live though. All right, I hope that take us. I hope that made it. I live. hope so too. I'm sure it did. <laughs> uh, welcome back to our uh, pastor's Bible study. Pastor Smith, thanks for, for being here. Didn't really have a choice, but well, I guess you did. You, 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 you could do a solo show. Yeah, I guess you always have a choice. <laughs> this is you're not being held against your will. This yeah. is going down a weird little path. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you enjoyed that. Uh, we are looking at Second uh, Timothy two. Uh, Pastor Buehler talked about Second Timothy three, I believe, and uh, there's just a lot of good stuff in here. Um, is there anything you want to say about the book before? There, there is actually, yeah. So I, I've always thought Second uh, Timothy is a really interesting letter that Paul wrote because uh, I think most, I think most biblical scholars agree that this is probably the last letter that he wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not going to show up quite as much in the chapter that we're going to talk about today, but if you look at like chapter four, especially verses six through eight, I mean he's he's. You can tell he he thinks that his death could be happening at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, more that, so than in Philippians. More so than in Philippians. Yeah, Philippians is more like yeah, this, which, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. It was more kind of an uncertainty, but this is you know likely he's writing this after the end of like the events of the book of Acts. You know, Acts ends kind of abruptly. Paul is not free, and he's awaiting. You know, like he's going to be sentenced to, to something by Rome. You know, he's appealed to the highest authority in the Roman Empire. And, and so he, he's getting up there in age as he writes 2 Timothy, and he he may already have known that he was, you know, like the church tradition is that he was beheaded in Rome. Um, he may have already known that that was his sentence, and he was waiting for it to be carried out, or he just kind of knew that that was going to be ultimately his end. Uh, so I think if, if you open up this book, uh, this short letter, knowing all of that, I think it, it adds extra punch. Mm-hmm. Because, it, you know, you start to think, um, I think, you know, I reflected on this with the book of Deuteronomy months and months ago. It was like Moses' last message to the people of Israel. So this is Paul, kind of his last message to his beloved protege, Timothy. Um, you know, what do I need to tell young Timothy before yeah. I die? If this is like our last conversation, I guess. Yeah, you really, the heart is exposed most. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you know that the end is near, you don't want to hold anything back. Not that, yeah. not that Paul exactly was known for holding things back. <laughs> he, he let loose, you know, when he needed to. But, yeah, uh, yeah just really letting, letting it all hang out, not holding anything back. Absolutely, yeah. All right. Well, we're, I don't know if I mentioned this, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, so chapter 2. if you want to join with us, uh, Pastor Smith, would you read 2 Timothy 2, uh, verses 1 through 13, please? 1 through 13, absolutely. Um, this is uh, this is the great live um, stuff here if, if you would go and slightly adjust the slider we have a little bit of bars coming across 
oh, okay. on the feed there. While I, I think you'll have time to do that while I'm reading 13 verses here from 2 Timothy chapter 2. You can turn there uh, along with us. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. There's a lot there. There is is a lot there. Uh, Anything stand out to you that you want to hit right away? Um, Well, I... (laughs) I think the, you know, verses like three through six, um, just like, it's like he, <laughs> so it's like a preacher has several different analogies <laughs> that they're trying to decide between like which ones to use. And Paul's like, ah, I'm just, I can't decide, I'm just going to use yeah. them all. Um, think, and it's like, it's almost like riddles or something. Verse seven, think over these things and maybe you'll, you'll understand them. Um, I think that's interesting, but then I, I guess we can come back to that, but um the last couple verses, it sounds like he's he's quoting something kind of beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, my so my study Bible, ident- it, it takes a guess here, verses eleven through thirteen. It says likely a familiar hymn. Um, so it's, it's probably something that Timothy and maybe others would have been, yeah, familiar with. You know, maybe it was something that they would sing or quote in their worship services. You know, it's mm-hmm. so it's it'd be like you know. Today, maybe one of us quoting a like a passage of the liturgy from a traditional service or something, mm-hmm. or, or quoting just like a contemporary worship song, yeah. that, something like that, I guess. So, um, there are several times that Paul in his letter says, "This saying is trustworthy," mm-hmm. and then goes into what you know if it's if those other examples follow are also hymns or you know something similar yeah and so uh you know i think with this and with those illustrations the athlete the soldier and the farmer mm-hmm. i think you know he's using a like you know I, I know that he's not exactly in his preacherly role here right he's mm-hmm. more addressing his protege timothy but you know think of paul the preacher yeah he's using a lot of the tools in his tool belt, right? Mm-hmm. You know, us pastors, we use illustrations uh, or analogies to help connect God's word to uh, ways that we can think of it in a modern sense. Mm-hmm. That's what he does uh, with the soldier, athlete, and farmer. And then he's using something that they would have, you know, that, that song, that hymn 
uh, he's using something that is readily available in their mind and connecting it. So he's, you know, he's he's using everything he's got at his disposal to, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you know, you mentioned that this was his last letter and how that, or likely his last letter and how that, mm-hmm. you know, when it's in your mind, mm-hmm. I see that as like a, I like it's almost like in his mind the clock is ticking down. Mm-hmm. And I gotta get everything out, and so that's how I see those oh, yeah. three illustrations. Like, I don't have time to decide if I want to go with flesh out soldier, uh, athlete, or farmer. I'm just gonna throw them all out and mm-hmm. hope that God works through them. You know, He's just there's there's a sense of urgency how how I read that. Uh, you know, that the clock is ticking down mm-hmm. in his mind. Like, yeah. it's not gonna be long. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that that is true. You probably had his outline. Okay, these are all like I w- I was planning on writing Timothy four more letters, but you know I guess I'm just gonna have to combine it all or hit the high points. Um, yeah, it, these these aren't quite yeah these statements about you know the soldier, athlete, farmer. They're not quite as confusing as some of Jesus' parables, <laughs> but it kind of made me think about that where mm-hmm. there would be times where Jesus would would tell a parable, and you know that the disciples probably wondered about those things for years and it was maybe only after like Pentecost when the fullness of the spirit came or 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 it was you know maybe in the days when Jesus between his resurrection and his ascension was explaining the width and breadth of the scriptures to them you know like oh now i understand how this fits in i, I just imagine that yeah like Timothy kind of chewing on these Statements maybe maybe for him right away maybe he's a smart guy like oh yeah I I know exactly yeah. what he's saying <laughs> um, but maybe a little bit of um, I'm gonna understand this in one sense but then I'm also going to understand it more deeply five years from now mm-hmm. after being a pastor for longer um, I think there's like certain certain lessons that we've learned maybe whether in school or like wise lessons that have been passed down to us by like our family members that we probably didn't appreciate as much until we were had some more life experiences mm-hmm. under our belt but but yeah yeah you kind of um you had something that I thought was interesting too the comparing and contrasting Paul writing to Timothy or we'll say Titus too we'll lump usually um first and second Timothy and Titus get in this little category um that are called the pastoral epistles mm-hmm. pastoral letters uh, because Timothy and Titus were, were pastors, you know. I mean, they didn't use that title necessarily, but it's the best way to understand it. Um, and so I think, like, pastors really think about this, like when we're writing a message or something, we're thinking about, well, who's the audience going to be? Mm-hmm. But everybody does this subconsciously or very intentionally, but at, on some subconscious level, too, you're mm-hmm. always thinking about, okay, how am I going to communicate this depending on who's going to be there who I'm talking to whether it's adults or children or what age of children you know like mm-hmm. we talk about that like with, if we're doing a chapel is it like the whole school is it just the little kids is it just the older kids you have different ways of doing it so yeah so Paul even you see him um, communicating differently to Timothy than maybe he would have like in his letters to like the churches in Corinth mm-hmm. or Thessalonica or you know other places so yeah just interesting to see that playing out, um, and I mean, we see Paul. Paul's talking; he talks to all different kinds of audiences too, like yeah. um, hostile crowds in the Book of Acts, or sometimes he's talking to you know um, smaller groups of people that are 
ardent supporters of his, and yeah, he's different. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but it's just interesting to see in the New Testament these different kinds of messages and mm-hmm. ways of communicating. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily envy him. I mean, we have pretty much the same crowd, you know, uh, you know, the message mm-hmm. differs based on the text that we're focusing on, but, yeah. you know, we, we know the people who are coming, you know, people who are gathering here mostly mm-hmm. believe the same thing we believe, and so that's... Oh, yeah. You know, that's another, that's underappreciated talent that Paul had is to be able, as he says, what, First Corinthians, I've become all things to all people. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he has many different churches that he, yeah. <laughs> like, has to be, you know, in a pastoral role, but kind of more of an overseer, I guess. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it is interesting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, even... One thing that's striking too is, I mean, even talking to a pastor, you won't stop talking about Jesus. You know, it's, so it's like no matter who Paul's talking to, he's like, I don't care how well you know the story about Jesus, like mm-hmm. you're gonna get Jesus. Remember Jesus. <laughs> Remember Jesus. Don't forget him. Whether you're a pastor, or whether you're someone who just heard about Jesus yesterday, like anything in between, I'm gonna make sure you reflect upon Jesus every single day of your life and Mm -hmm. um, yeah so you're always going to get that from Paul (laughs) yeah yeah Um, and he verses 8 through 10 he kind of gives just a a snapshot uh, like a like a a summary you know Christ Jesus he connects it you know risen from the dead offspring of David mm -hmm. um, and then connects it to you know which this this is why I'm on death row basically uh, you know doesn't say quite like that but mm-hmm. ultimately that's what it is and so you know just connecting it to the bigger picture mm-hmm. ever so briefly yeah um yeah yeah absolutely i i love that that whole section that you just referred to the the word of god is not bound mm-hmm. that's such a great line yeah and because he compares and contrasts you know like he's like well i'm bound and yet <laughs> Through me, you know, by the grace of God, the word of God is going out, and and Paul knows that even if they chop his head off the next day, word of God is still going to go out. Mm-hmm. God's going to raise up somebody else, somebody else, you know, Timothy, other people, um, yeah. and even Paul. Then the message that Paul has preached is going to take on a more urgent power, I think, because I think it, it's just true. It's just true. We've seen this throughout history. If someone lays down their life for the sake of a, of a mission or a cause or a movement, it tends to, you know, I think enemies might think, well, if we just, you know, kill the leader, then maybe the whole thing will die. That, that's not how it works. No. Um, you know, so... Adds more yeah. fuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see the, these early martyrs of the church and the gospel just multiplies. Yeah. Um, so the, the word of God is not bound. It's just, a, it's just an awesome... Um, like I, I just kind of I, I had this image of like a Bible chained up to the wall, and Which, then like like the chain like the Bible just like of its own accord like just busting free and like going you know the, the message of Jesus going I don't know, some if some animator could make that you know well, I mean that's kind of how it was in Luther's time <laughs> I was thinking the same thing yeah yeah for those of you who don't remember like the this was you know Luther's time they I mean Bibles they were they were rare you know this was like right around the time of the printing press so like they were 
yeah. not very like you you had to be a, a priest or yeah. somebody in the church to have access to the Bible and they were they were chained mm-hmm. you know they were bound yeah, to the, yeah. the the physical Bible was bound to mm-hmm. to the wherever they were yeah and it was bound in a language that you probably couldn't read mm-hmm. you know it was in Latin and in Germany I mean unless you were pretty well off and could have gone to a university or something you didn't you couldn't read the word of God mm-hmm. um, to be abound in that way too now I mean you know love technology or hate it you can get the entire Bible on your phone in about 10 seconds yeah. <laughs> if you you know depending on your internet speed you know yeah. to download the app but then it's just there yeah I mean it's just yeah that's that's the thing like yeah it, it should I guess it, it should make us feel kind of guilty that people 500 years ago would have I was going to say would have killed but that's probably not the right word to say (laughs) you would have done drastic measures to have to have the Bible in in any language or translation on the on you know their phone so to speak and we have it and we don't open the app as much as we should or don't you know actually get our you know we we might have more than we might have uh, seven different Bibles in our house and we don't even you know six of them we don't know where they are and one maybe we Hopefully we've been using it this year. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I went to the <clears throat> Museum of the Bible in D.C. and they had a room where, like, they they showed like a version of all the Bibles, all of the languages that Bibles are written in, and I think there they said, and this was like three years ago when I was on Vicarage, they said within ten years it's expected to have all. Uh, a Bible translated to all languages in the world. Yeah. And just like that's that's so cool. I have a friend from college who is a Lutheran Bible translator. It takes time to take, you know, looking at the original languages, not the English, the original mm-hmm. languages. You have to understand the original languages and the language of the people yeah. that is tra- being translated. That is not, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's no small task. Yeah. yeah. But yet, uh, I think I want to say it's close to ten thousand languages. I, I that could be totally off. Maybe it's one thousand, but uh, either way, yeah. I know there's a big difference there. But either way, like that is, you know, to to come from what we were just talking about in uh, Luther's time, mm-hmm. where the word of God was very bound. Yeah. To where now, you know, and obviously we know the word of God is never bound. God mm-hmm. works through His word. Yeah. But yeah. in the sense of where it was. Mm-hmm. versus where it is now. Yeah. Very different. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so we, we can definitely give praise to God that so these promises have played out in powerful ways, yeah, o- over history that the mm-hmm. word of God is is out there. Now, we just happen to live in a in a time where it's despised by a lot of yeah. people. Uh, but it's still it's still not bound though. Mm-hmm. And it still has power and the spirit is is doing things with it that we can't even comprehend sometimes. So yeah, yeah, a lot, um, a lot in that section. Yeah. Should we move on to the next section? I think I think we should. Yeah. All right, verse fourteen. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among the uh, Hemenaeus and 
Among them are Hemenaeus and Philetus, who have uh, swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are uh, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant uh, controversies, you know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but, uh, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting the opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to, knowledge of a tr- uh, re- leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, the I don't know. I guess you could say the the stakes get a little higher in this section. Yeah. Um, Paul is <clears throat> naming some of the the dangers. The I guess you know just to put it simply, the the ways that Satan is going to try to attack Timothy's ministry and just the advance of the gospel. Um. It's such a, you know, it's so funny to think about because I think sometimes I think, well, back in the first century, the gospel just marched forward and, you know, everyone was, I don't know, it just, it just seemed like there's there's just like this success that is taking place through the book of Acts. Um, you could, that's one way to read it, but you also see like resistance at every turn. Yeah. Um, and so there's just there's different kinds of resistance in a way like today than there was maybe back then. But um, this is you know a whole new message, and in some ways it doesn't have the foothold that maybe it did once like the church capital C got more established um, as centuries went on. Mm-hmm. There there were their own challenge. We kind of referred to the Catholic Church <laughs> and yeah. some of the the abuses that began to happen up to Luther's time. Um, but this is more of a, like, just, like, on-the-ground warfare, kind of, where, mm-hmm. like, these little churches have been started, and it's just, like, these little pockets of the gospel, and everybody's like, what in the world are you guys talking about? What is this message? You know, we've never heard this before, and so then, yeah, just this, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of false information or opponents that you're going to have to, you know, and, and be gentle with. Mm-hmm. And patient, and not not stoop to their level and quarrel with them. Yeah, I think those are, those are those still stand as good bits of advice for pastors or any Christian. Today. Yeah, yeah. You know, when when I was reading this, I just thought about two uh, Paul and, and Philippians. Uh, do everything without grumbling. Mm-hmm. You know, shine like stars in this crooked generation you know and so it really you take this and you take Paul's words in Philippians and it really 
really elevates something, makes something important that I don't think we really think about, like mm-hmm. our attitude reflected through words. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's important. You know, I, I, this, the the quarreling and the do everything with grumbling are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, just how we how we react, how we act in a situation that is that we don't like. Mm-hmm. How we act is is a huge it affects others hugely. And so uh I don't know. I'll I'll put myself on the spot rather than you, but I don't do everything without grumbling, you know. I don't I I don't know how bigly or how how big you define quarrel, but I'm sure there's mm-hmm. times that, you know, uh, what the conversations I'm having would be considered quarreling, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and he, he talks about how, uh, you know, comparing it to gangrene. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was an interesting, yeah, was that verse 15 or 16, 17, 17, yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, I don't think we, you know, this wasn't like during World War Two or World War One, where, you know, gangrene was like, you know, wasn't that... Like when a soldier got shot, like that was like the big. Yeah, yeah. Like if you had a wound that was not treated, yeah, you would be lose the limb or you know end up yeah end up dying. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, he's comparing it to something that would be extremely painful and dangerous. Yeah, to your mm-hmm. to your life. Yeah. Well, I think it. He doesn't really say it exactly, but one of the things I thought of was with gangrene. I'm thinking of well, that a, a human body gets that. So what does Paul, what does he liken the church to? Well, he likes it to a body. Yep. And, you know, there are things that can kill a, a body mm-hmm. of Christ, even, you know, like, like a, a church. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, or at least you don't have to lose some limbs or something. Like, that's a, that's a terrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do... You know, some of the things that you were talking about, I, I'm thinking about um, how we are called to be different than the rest of the world. Like, you should stand out in some significant ways. It doesn't mean that you have to be, like, every single thing that you do, you have to stand out like a sore thumb. Um, like, that's that Christian is the weirdest person I've ever yeah. met. Like, everything to do is so weird. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's like, in response to the negative things, I think. Yeah. Especially, wow, that person... And people, I think people do... That's always the hope, right? We, we hope that um, our actions will speak very loudly. Mm-hmm. And, and that even, even though we may not always be evangelizing with our words on the street corner, that our interactions with people, the way that we conduct ourselves, people will take notice and they will factor that in knowing, okay, I know that they follow Jesus um, and they actually seem to live out what Jesus, you know, because some people have a familiarity with what Jesus has taught Mm -hmm. and a lot of times Christians don't follow even the most basic things that Jesus taught. Yeah. Uh, people are like, well, I don't know if I want to dig much further into what Jesus taught if the Christians can't even follow the big ones. You know? uh-huh. um, so I, I think there's, there's that standard of uh, Christians have a higher calling, but then even, you know, like leaders in the church, pastors, it, it can do more damage if 
people like us are leading the quarreling mm-hmm. or just being unkind to people, not gracious, hateful, you know, prideful, if we're motivated by, by those types of things, um, rather than being gentle. Now, I mean, there's obviously there's, uh, there's times where Paul will encourage pastors to be firm and to stick to the truth, you know, but... But he but, says the truth in love. The truth, yeah, speaking the truth in love. Yeah. yeah. Um, correcting people, opponents with gentleness. And then, you know, verse 25, the, the second mm-hmm. half of it, after he's encouraged us to do this, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. So there's that um, humility in knowing it's not all on me to, like, forcibly change someone's heart or mind. Um, I'm going to be faithful to what God has called me to do, and then God is ultimately going to do the rest, but I don't want to put an extra stumbling block in front of the work of God. Yeah, I, I see, going off what you said, I, I see it as a, a motivator, but also something that takes off the pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, a motivate, like, almost like this is the goal. You know, this yeah. is the goal to act a certain way. Now, don't, the pressure is not on you to bring about this result, but yeah. we do play a factor. Like, mm-hmm. You know, how does God work? He works through his word, but how do people hear his word? Mm-hmm. How, how does somebody who has never had any interaction with, with the church or the Bible before, mm-hmm. it's through us. Like we, we play a very active role in how people come to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. The pressure is not on us. He works yeah. through us. But for us to think that we're passive is just completely false. Mm-hmm. And so I yeah. think this is, you know, uh, this is, to use Paul's language a little bit different context spurring one another on mm-hmm. you know he says to spur one another on in good works mm-hmm. but this is uh, spurring one another on to to have the bigger picture involved why not to quarrel and yeah. and fight and, and everything like that absolutely yeah 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 he is he's pointing us yeah, like the, by doing these things or by refraining from these things this is how this fits into God's plan of salvation mm-hmm. for people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, yeah, and, and just, again, some of the things that he says, you might think, why has he got to say that to a pastor? Um, verse 22, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. You know, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Um, you know, and then um, jumping Farther back, verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. It's just, you know, keep your nose clean. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, you know, in the first letter to Timothy, you know, be above reproach. That, that's a, um, I don't know if, if you guys are familiar with, with that term as much, but pastors will use that a lot, especially just with, that's one of the callings. It's one of the like the, basically the qualifications for being a pastor mm-hmm. that Paul lays out in First Timothy chapter three. There's a whole list of things, but being above reproach is is a, a huge thing, and it doesn't mean that. I mean, pastors have plenty a plenty long list of sins to confess during the confession time in church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're leading the charge of confession. We're 
drinking just as deeply and sweetly of the absolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but there's that that line where um, you, on one hand, you don't want to do the the wrong thing just because you want to do what God's will is, but you also don't want to do the wrong things to undermine the gospel mm-hmm. or to drag the name of Jesus through the mud. You know, if we're like representing Jesus in a powerful way, like you're saying, as, as a, in a called role in the church. Um, so that, that's like for pastors, teachers, you know. Um, but then for, for any Christian, though, I mean, we, we, have, we have this calling too. But there are, you know, words from Paul, words from James, where it is kind of like, nah, some, some of y'all Christians in leadership roles, you're not like better or more holy than others, but you do... You will have to like answer for more things. You have more responsibility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're you're no better. Yeah, but the expectations Probably are worse. Higher. In fact, no. yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so there, and I think it's okay. I, I think it's okay for us to be kind of uncomfortable when we read passages like this. Kind of squirm a little bit. Um, we're always going to be driven back to repentance every single day rest in the grace of God and to to, to count on the grace of God if and when we don't live up to these things Um, but also I think God gives us you know we talk about the the uses of the law we talk about the third one, the guide God, God gives us a vision of what it looks like, he gives us a target to try mm-hmm. to hit. That's actually what, what the definition of sin is actually. Missing the target. Missing yeah. a target, like drawing the bow and arrow and missing it. Um, so he gives us a target to, to try to hit. And I, and I think, you know, by the equipping of the Holy Spirit, we can strive for those things. And mm-hmm. some days we have bullseye days. And other days we, you know, have hit the, you know, whole other... You know, at the I don't know the barn. I don't know where, where are you setting up your yeah. target <laughs> practice. I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of hay involved. Yeah, <laughs> lots of bales of hay stacked up. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it's I think it's okay to you know you read passages sometimes from Paul. There's a lot of third use of the law, mm-hmm. and there, there's sometimes there's more like implied gospel. He's speaking to Christians mm-hmm. under the grace of God, believers in Christ Jesus. But there's encouragement, there's challenge, there's exhortation. Um, there's a lot of, to use a, a grammatical term, there, Paul uses a, a lot of imperatives, you know, mm-hmm. command words um, in his letters. There, there's usually, it's usually like toward the end of the letters too, there's like a flurry of imperatives that Paul uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that's okay. We, we sometimes as Lutherans we get uncomfortable with those passages. Yeah. Paul's given us a lot of things we're supposed to do. I thought Jesus did it all. Well, yes, it's it's a longer conversation, you know. Um, Jesus has done it all, but that third use of the law, he he has freed us from sin. He has freed us to live according to these things. And when we mess up, we are freed again mm-hmm. by faith in Jesus. Um, so Timothy knows that. <laughs> um, and I think he's encouraged and I think he's challenged and I think he's he's like whew okay I, I mean I just imagine he's he's you know keeping this letter 
you know, shoebox or something. <laughs> or maybe in his Bible. He's got it in his Bible. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> and he like pulls it out maybe every Sunday morning before he's going to preach and he reads some stuff from Paul. You know, even years after Paul's gone. Oh, my mentor, I want to read this mm-hmm. letter that he gave to me. Which actually now has turned out to be the, the scripture. Yeah. <laughs> but, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Any, any other stuff here? Uh, no, not for me. Anything else from you? I mean, there's there's more, you know, it's, uh, there's a lifetime of things to take away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's it. That's all we can take away. No. That's all, yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, a lot, a lot of good, good reading from Paul, and we're like almost done with Paul now. Yeah, yeah. Now we're we're almost done with Bible. transitioning, almost done with the Bible. Yeah, but we're getting into to now what we, what we call more like the general epistles. Mm-hmm. So basically, all the letters of the New Testament that Paul didn't write. <laughs> so Hebrews, James. You know, we'll have the ones from Peter. We'll have the ones from John. John and, yeah. Then we'll, then we'll be done right around Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to take us through Hebrews this weekend, so you can join us for worship. Um, book of Hebrews, I think it's it's a book that a lot of us probably know two or three passages from. We'll try to try to get a good handle on, on the whole letter, maybe have a comprehensive takeaway. So I've had fun digging more deeply into it because, yeah, again, it's like. Most of my studies, you know, you might read a passage and then skip the next four chapters of Hebrews and go to another familiar passage. So, mm-hmm. digging into some of the more unfamiliar parts. So, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, hope you have a great rest of your week. Hope you see you in worship on Sunday or Saturday. All right. God's blessings, everybody.